This is the Bible Book Club. And we're in Deuteronomy. Welcome Welcome to to the club. When last we left you in chapter four of Deuteronomy, we discovered that the Hebrew word shamir has a much stronger meaning than its English translation. Our translation, to keep or to be careful, But the Israelites, to them and to Moses, it meant to vigilantly protect with a hedge of thorns like a shepherd protects his sheep at night. Moses also laid out four things that he wants the Israelites to protect with that hedge of thorns. God's commandments, their calling, their covenantal relationship, and their confidence that the Lord is God. And can't you just hear God calling you to those same four things? Yeah, exactly. I especially like, and we're going to hear it again in in this episode or the next one, I'm not sure, just the Lord is God. Moses wants to drill this into their brain. And I wish it was a little bit more in the New Testament that the Lord is your God, because it is a little confidence building, you know, when you keep saying it over and over. All right. In this episode, I want us to remember that Moses's mission in Deuteronomy is to encourage the next generation to be faithful to God. Now, Moses has set the tone for his passionate challenge with a historical review that we called Moses's Remember What God Has Done sermon. And that was covered in chapters one through four. In the second sermon, Moses's message is a review of what the Israelites must do going forward. Moses is going to use an if-then pattern to challenge the Israelites. In other words, if God did all this for them in the past, you know, the miracles, the covenant, the promises, everything we kind of just covered, then why can't they obey, keep the covenant, and enjoy the promised land in the future? Now, the second sermon is the core of the book of Deuteronomy. It is a massive challenge to the second generation of Israel to be more faithful to God than their parents had been by keeping that covenant laws and decrees of God. Moses is vehemently pleading with them to just do it. Now, before we get on with that sermon, we have a random out of place reference to cities of refuge left over from the end of chapter four. Verse 41. Then Moses set aside three cities east of the Jordan to which anyone who had killed a person could flee if they had unintentionally killed a neighbor without malice aforethought. They could flee into one of these cities and save their life. The cities were these, Bezer in the wilderness plateau for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Now, don't even wonder why this is stuck in here. We have no idea. So just so you know. Well, we learned a lot about cities of refuge we did. back in Numbers. Yeah. In fact, it was Numbers 35, Season 4, Episode 18. Moses detailed each of the 12 tribes and their distribution of the land once they were in the Promised Land. Then he covered the towns that are to be built for the Levites throughout all those lands. And lastly, God set aside six of those towns to be cities of refuge. Now, a city of refuge, these were places that a person accused of murder could live safely until they could appear before the elders and plead their case. Without the protection of a city of refuge, accused murderers were at risk for being murdered themselves by the family of the victim. And this was this was allowed. This was the law of the day. It was the eye for an eye. It's one of the reasons that Jesus said, I 
don't say to do the eye for an And they eye. didn't have prisons back then. So it was the responsibility of the family of the victim to um, for to create justice. Uh, now, so much more of this is detailed about murder in number 35. You can go back and listen to those episodes. All right, next, we're going to begin this second sermon, the Just Do It sermon. And it starts with a bridge at the end of chapter four that connects it to chapter five. Verse 44, this is the law Moses set before the Israelites. These are the stipulations, decrees, and laws Moses gave them when they came out of Egypt and were in the valley near Beth Peor, east of the Jordan, in the land of Shihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon and was defeated by Moses and the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. They took possession of the land of Moses and the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. They took possession of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan. This land extended from Orer on the rim of the Arnon Gorge to Mount Siron, that is Hermon, and included all of Erbah east of the Jordan as far as the Dead Sea below the slopes of Pisgah. All right, before we start chapter five, here is what Israel must do. Obey the law, starting with the Ten Commandments, which God gave them at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments are found twice in the Torah or Pentateuch, in Exodus 20, which we covered in season two, and here in Deuteronomy. They are almost identical with only slight differences that do not change the meaning. For example, in the Tenth Commandment, coveting your neighbor's house and wife are reversed in order in Exodus and Deuteronomy. We're not going to discuss in this episode, the Ten Commandments, because you can listen to that discussion in season two, episode 14. The only point I would like to reiterate is this. The Ten Commandments were and are all about relationships, which speaks to what God was creating with this nation of Israel, a covenant relationship. Commandments one through four outline how to have a right relationship with God and commandments five through 10 outline how to have a right relationship with people. Think about how each commandment applies to relationships as you listen. So here we go in chapter five. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today, learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestor that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it 
You shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire the cloud and the deep darkness, and he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me, and you said, The Lord your God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. So Moses is really talking to the second generation, but he is reiterating everything as if he were talking to the first because they are the chosen generation now. And and he wants this them to relive these moments that actually their parents lived so they will carry these stories forward because we've heard God command several times. You got to tell you, you've got to remember Egypt, how God brought us out and everything he said at Mount Sinai. But in this last little section that Heather read, it's almost like an ouch to me because it said, the Lord heard you when you spoke to me. And the Lord said, I have heard what these people said. Everything they said was good, but oh, that their hearts would be inclined to, to fear me and keep my commandments so that it might go well with them. It's almost a little sad, like wistful, like he he really, oh, that their hearts, he knows that they're not going to. And of course, the Lord does know, and, and he may have even imparted that to Moses. The Lord knew how this story would end before it even began, even in the beginning in Genesis 1. And he wistfully says, oh, that their hearts would be inclined. The point for us today is this. It is possible to hear the voice of God and still not hear the voice of God. The Israelites audibly heard God's voice, but it did not penetrate their hearts enough to make them want to obey. We hear God's voice in every word we read in the Bible. That's why we read every book, every word in Bible Book Club. But is it penetrating our hearts? Is God wistful for you? Is he looking down and thinking, oh, that Susan or Heather's heart would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever? Moses would say to us, 
as he did to the Israelites. Just do it. In fact, Moses' New Testament counterpart, the Apostle Paul, preaches a similar just do it sermon in Acts 13 because the Israelites were once again not listening. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of the country. For for about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance." All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised, fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Well, shout out to David as that one example of the one who listened and the word of God penetrated his heart. He was not perfect, but he had a heart for the Lord. All the meanwhile, the Israelites and the Gentiles were not listening. And through the faith of David came his descendant Jesus and our hope for salvation. The point is yesterday, today, and tomorrow, people clearly have a problem listening to God. The question for us is, are you listening? Is it penetrating your heart? Continuing on, Moses reviews with the second generation what happened next at Mount Sinai with their parents. Verse 30. Go tell them to return to their tents, but you stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Did you catch that little be careful phrase? That is the word shamer, again from last episode. In other words, this verse reads, put a hedge of thorns around what the Lord your God has commanded you. Just to review that word, do it every time you see it in the Bible, because it really makes what they're saying so much deeper. In chapter six, Moses makes a masterful move from his focus on the laws they must remember in their head to the motivation to obey in their heart. First, he says, use your head, people. Obey these laws so you can live well. Chapter six. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Then Moses says, use your heart, people, love God, and you will be motivated to remember and obey his laws. 
Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands to bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Well, I hope that was familiar to you because this is like the most famous part, I feel, of Deuteronomy. So let's just dig into this little. What does this mean to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength? These three words, heart, soul, and strength, are translations. And actually, to the Israelites, it has a slightly different meaning. The Hebrew word lev for heart does refer to this organ, the heart. However, the Israelites did not know the functions of the organs as we do today. So they thought of the heart differently than we did. They did not know about the brain. They thought the heart was the place where thoughts, emotions, and desires were formed because you feel it in your heart and that's all they knew is what they felt. So to them, loving God with all their heart meant the devotion to God of their whole being, body and mind. It was a little bit bigger than just your heart. Now, the Hebrew word nepes translates soul to us, but this is really off. (laughs) It really means throat in Hebrew, which sounds really weird and makes no sense on the surface. But to the Israelites, remember, they only know what they feel and see. It represented their appetite or desire because that's where they ate you know they when you swallow exactly so that's where their food went so that if they were hungry this was just the channel that it went and it also to them meant life or breath because that's how they breathed Mm. and they knew that somehow this breathing if you stop breathing you died so this somehow translated to them to devote their whole physical existence or life because without food or breath, they knew they died. Now, the Hebrew word moed, which translates as strength to us, to the Israelites means just greatly or exceedingly. And it's often listed um, in the Hebrew text as twice, moed, moed, which means like, like supersize that. Like, so to them, whenever this word moed precedes a sentence, it meant like extra, like do it big, go big on that one which kind of is not what strength means to us. So what this verse really means to the Israelites would have been something like this. Love the Lord your God with your whole being, heart, your whole life, soul, and go big or do it like exceedingly. All your strength. All your strength. Yeah. Just a little bit different. It's much different. Yeah. Because your whole being, they meant every part of your body, like every part of this. And then your whole life, they meant, you know, with every breath you have from the time you're born to the time you die, use your life for God. And then they're like, and you need to do it abundantly. Like, don't just extra, halfway just do be this. Extra. Be I extra. <laughs> be extra in your faith. I like extra people. Yeah. I kind of really like their meaning more because soul to us is kind of a funny word what is your soul you know um okay the other thing i want to point out about this commandment is that it is to be a family matter so when he says hero israel the lord your god is one love the lord with all your heart soul strength and then it talks about all impressing it on your children they're to impress this love upon their children they are to talk about it all the time at home 
on the road outside and morning to night, all day. And they're to place reminders on themselves and on their homes. Today, Orthodox Jews still carry out this command by wearing tefillin or phylacteries, which consist of two black boxes and straps to hold them on. And one is worn on the arm and the other is worn on the forehead. But I love that, you know, while they took that very literally to tie it on themselves, I love that Moses was telling them, you know, this has got to permeate your life and your family's life. Like, wouldn't it be great if we had reminders over our door every time our kids walked out the door and we walked out the door, which is so funny. My kids laugh all the time at my husband, Mark, because he'll, every time they go out or do something, he'd say, honor God, honor God. You know, they're going on a date, honor God, (laughs) really honor God. (laughs) So it is something that we could do a better job of, I think of today. I'm going to start saying that every time my kids walk out the door. Yeah, honor God. Let's see if they roll their eyes. They will. Um, I know your kids. They're like mine. (laughs) All right. Lastly, another thing to point out. Up until this point, the people have been commanded to worship and obey God. We have had four other books of the Bible where they were told to worship at God. We have covered it extensively. This is the first time that people have been commanded to love God. Did you realize that? In the four books of the um, Torah that we've already covered, this is the first time that God really talked about loving him. And because of that, it became very important to the Jews. In fact, this verse, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength is called the Shema. Now, the Shema is a very famous prayer that Jewish people have said every morning and every night for thousands of years. It is still said today. It is their daily like pledge of allegiance to God. The prayer gets its name from the first word, hear, hear, O Israel, which in Hebrew is Shema. The word, however, means more than just to hear something. It means pay attention to or focused listening. It can also mean respond to this by doing something. So again, a lot deeper than just, hey, hear this. It's it's really like, hear this and you better focus because you're going to need to respond. To Moses, hearing means both listening and doing. That's why this is the just do it sermon. Moses is saying, listen carefully and obey. Just do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, or in other words, your whole being, your whole life, and do it exceedingly. All right, fast forward now with me to the New Testament. We're going to talk about how this Shema became really important to Jesus, who was a Jew. Jesus takes the Shema and combines it with another Old Testament command and creates the first and second greatest commandments, also sometimes called the Jesus Creed. Matthew twenty two thirty four says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. This really for us 
And studying the Torah is probably one of the most important New Testament commandments that you can know and reflect on how Jesus bridged the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was a Jew who took two important statements in the Old Testament and combined them. And, and, and that's the beauty of the Old and New Testament and Jesus being the new covenant. Well, didn't he actually, if they didn't catch that, he actually added to that verse by adding the part about loving your neighbor as yourself, because that, that's not really what it says in Deuteronomy, is it? That's from Leviticus. That was a key verse in Leviticus. So again, you have this Jew, Jesus, who knows the Old Testament like like a Pharisee and a Sadducee so would. Well. Yeah. So well. And he kind of made it super clear for them. Um, and, and today, even in my talks with people about theology, I always come back to this verse because these are the two greatest commandments. And like you said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, if we don't know the law and the prophets, then it is shallow to us. I mean, it is still strong, but I just hope if you've been with us since the beginning through the whole Torah, you're really understanding the depth of how important what Jesus was doing was and how just God had this plan from the beginning. You're All doing right. what Moses said to do. You're not yes. just hearing it. You're actually listening. Right. And understanding how God tied this together in a way that no mortal could have ever done. All right. Well, Scott McKnight coined the phrase, the Jesus Creed. He's a prolific author and theologian. And what he says is, as a Jew, Jesus would have began and ended his day reciting the Shema. Jesus took the Shema, his daily Jewish prayer, and added Leviticus 19.18. Go back and listen. Um because we, we talked about this a lot in Leviticus. It was kind of a hinge verse for all of us because it's the first time love your neighbors yourself is ever said. And, and, and so it was huge. No one else quotes these two texts before Jesus. This is his brilliant, you know, God-inspired son of God statement. But it lays a foundation for the commandments in the New Testament, because if we love God, we will love others. And if we love God and others, the rest of the commandments in the Bible fall into place as a priority for us also, especially the Ten Commandments, which all focus on relationships. I said that at the beginning of this episode. For example, if you love God, you're not going to break commandment three by worshiping idols. If you love others, you're not going to break commandment seven by coveting your neighbor's spouse. We have so many more lessons to learn in our journey through the remaining 34 books of the Old Testament. But this trip through the Torah, filled with wisdom from Moses, has convinced me that without this foundation, my understanding of the New Testament would be relatively shallow. Let me explain. Hang with me on this because I wish you could see this as a picture. Maybe I should put it in the show notes. As we've moved through these first five books of the Bible, the list of things God would like the Israelites to do in order to have a relationship with him has grown. Okay, so track with me here. First, we had the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And again, he just re reiterated them in Deuteronomy 5. Then, remember, he added the Book of the Covenant in Exodus 20 through 23. Then he went into instructions on holiness so we could have a relationship with God, so the Israelites could have a relationship with God in Leviticus 17 through 26. So if you could see this kind of list of things to just do, 
is growing. It's getting heavier. Can you feel it? It's getting bigger. It got much more detailed in Leviticus, almost kind of like unbearably detailed. Then we had the teaching, which Torah, the word Torah means teaching in Deuteronomy 12 through 28. We're not, we're not there yet, but we're going to get the teaching. And then we're going to get to the New Testament and Jesus boils it all down for us into two commands, two sentences, the greatest commandments, love the Lord and love your neighbors. What a gift. Here the poor Israelites were under this growing burden of more things they have to do. And this Savior comes and boils it down to, hey, if you just love God and love others, everything else falls into place. Yeah, like, let me make this real simple and easy for you because it's way too hard right now. Now, I have a question. You said that Jesus was the first one who quoted this part. Those two together. These two. Oh, together. He put them together. Does that mean that none of the prophets were quoting these two pieces of scripture? Jesus takes this verse from Deuteronomy and ties it to this verse from Leviticus and puts it together and says, hey, and again, pulls that word love in, which we're hearing for the first time from Moses. So again, it's like, it's like he, he pulled it all together and whoosh, wrapped it up and said, let me make it really clear for you, Pharisees and Sadducees, because you're missing the whole point of this. You're so focused on the detail of law. You're missing the greatest part of this whole thing. It starts with loving God. You don't love God. You just follow these little details. And, and to the Gentile who probably didn't know any of all those little details, they were like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can love and I can learn, which is kind of the journey we're on. We're learning. We love him. We believe in him, but we've got to learn how this all happened. It just builds our faith. Jesus is not doing away with the foundation of the Ten Commandments. He is like Moses tried to do, pointing out that it all hinges on love. The layers of God's plan go from the growing complexity in the Old Testament to the soul-saving simplicity in the New Testament. Paul explains it like this. And again, remember, he's Moses' counterpart in the New Testament in Galatians 3.23. Before the coming of this faith through Jesus, we were held in the custody under the law, locked up until the faith through Jesus that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right, I have a confession. You know, if you think Heather and I kind of always knew all this stuff, you're wrong. We are, we've studied <laughs> you think the Bible. I knew it, you're definitely yeah. wrong. I've studied the Bible for years, but this like systematic kind of going through it, I can't tell you. Galatians 3 means so much more to me now that we have really dug in, especially to like the Leviticus and the, the books that I really have read lots of, lots of times and had sermons on, but never really studied like we are now. So it's the Bible is all one big circle with lots of little circles in it, actually. We journey from the beginning to the end and realize the end is related to beginning. I just love it. It's amazing. And it's definitely a Bible bender to me every single lesson. Okay, back to our man, Moses, poor Moses. 
He is a parent lecturing his errant teenager. At least that's what he reminds me of. And he just can't help repeating his words over and over in the hopes that they will hear him and really listen. Because you know what? It is possible to hear the voice of God and still not hear the voice of God. So Moses is going to conclude this chapter by challenging the Israelites to just do it and be careful not to forget their Lord who saved them in Egypt. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to you a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses is expounding on the first phrase of the Shema, hear, O Israel. That means a lot more than hear, remember? It means focus. It means there's going to be an action here. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is your God. Do not forget him. Be careful. Put a hedge of thorns around it because he is the only God, your God. Then he's going to give us another, just do it. Fear the Lord or suffer the consequences. Verse 13, fear the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Masa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all of your enemies before you as the Lord said. (laughs) And that's not the first time Moses has said this, but he just can't help it. Like I said, he knows they're going to fail. And just like we are with our kids or our teenagers, we're just going to say, it one more time. Now, lastly, he's got another just do it in this chapter, and it is prepare the next generation, just as Moses is preparing them, to remember and fear the Lord so they may live long in the promised land. Verse 20, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh, on his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So this was a little convicting to me because I can't, you know, look at my kids and say, um, remember how God brought us out of Egypt? Because that's just not our story. But when they walk out the door, you can say, honor God. I can. And I can tell them a lot of things that God has done in my life and in their lives and in our family's lives. And I can tell those stories over and over again to them to build their faith. And I don't think I've done a good job of that. So lesson to all of us, if, if, if it was important for the Israelites as a nation to remember their heritage and their story, it's really important for our kids to know ours. 
What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.